You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. And we're off. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is John Hutspeth, and I am the host of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, which you are listening to right now. Episode 30, to be exact. We've made it, guys. I feel like I kind of got the hang of this thing a little bit. I still have some technical difficulties every once in a while, but for the most part, I feel like I'm getting it down now. So thank you guys for tuning in to all these episodes. I hope you keep listening. I hope you tell your friends, and let's just continue to grow this thing. I hope everybody had a a great 4th of July weekend. I did. Uh, My little nephew turned one on uh, the 3rd. So my sister planned a big party and, you know, extended family came and friends and stuff like that. So that was fun. And then uh, after that, uh, we went to the lake uh, with my brother and his kids. And I got to take them out on the boat for the first time and, you know, pull them around on the tube. So that was really fun to watch them. And, you know, they were a little timid at first, but it was fun watching them kind of get their feet under them and, you know, figure out that they weren't going to drown and everything like that. And so, uh, yeah, the three older kids, actually four older kids rode, rode the tube. And I uh, got my parents out on the boat for the first time, and so it was just a grand old time. Then, of course, that night we shot fireworks off, so that was really fun. And the kids are old enough now to where they, you know, like they kind of go up there with us to light them and run away all scared and stuff. So, really fun, great time. And then uh, my poor wife, being a new EMT, she of course had to work on the fourth as a rookie, and so uh, you know. Huge shout out to her and all the fir- other first responders and firefighters and everybody, you know, police officers that had to work that day. Um, yeah, I thank you guys for doing that. So the rest of us got to have a good time. And um, but yeah, so s- since she was working, that kind of gave me a day to to go out and do some deer stuff. And so I actually went to the property that we're selling and kind of did one final big swoop to get all the stuff that is not going to be sold off. And so I picked up. Uh, Three corn feeders, one protein feeder, um, a redneck blind, like soft-sided blind, and, you know, a few other odd and end things like that, and got them all loaded up and out of there just so there's no confusion with what goes with the property and all that, and so, so yeah, I spent most of the day doing that. Um, I used the tractor to haul the feeders around, and uh, my dad just so happened to have the, the shredder hooked up to it, and so I was able to mow some trails kind of as I was, you know, weaving in and out of all my spots. And uh, I went ahead and uh, mowed some of the food plots just to kind of knock them back a little bit, help get 
some of the stuff out of there. And then, uh, you know, this coming year, if we still have the property, I'll go ahead and spray them and plant them, but they'll just be a little bit cleaner. And so, um, you know, had the mower on there, so I figured why not? And, and yeah, who knows, we might still have the property, so I might still get to chase some deer around there. So not, uh, not going to complain about that. So overall, great 4th of July weekend, no complaints. Um, didn't have to work Monday either. And so kind of get after, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, I just got to kind of relax on Monday, um, ran a few errands, hung out with my wife. Uh, we kind of took it easy, uh, watched a movie and stuff like that. So overall great weekend. I hope you guys had a great weekend as well, and uh, I hope you didn't have too bad of a, a time going back to work this week, because I know sh- I sure was a little slow on Tuesday going back to work, so so yeah, but that, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot one thing. After I did all that stuff, I uh, you know took all the feeders and everything back to uh, my brother's property, where we're kind of moving everything to. And uh, my two uh, Bushnell cell cameras, I had not been getting pictures from them, and I couldn't figure out why. I was checked all the settings i'd put fresh batteries in them and everything like that and so after i got everything unloaded i jumped on the avt atv wow that was a big one jumped on the atv and rode back there and uh pulled up to the first camera and i kind of drove by it at first to see if you know i saw a flash or see anything nothing and um it was really disappointing because i looked at my trophy rock that i had put there and this camera had been out there for two weeks and i could tell a bunch of stuff had been hitting the trophy rock and i hadn't gotten any pictures open up the camera and lo and behold i just had forgot to turn it on (laughs) the switch was off and so that was very frustrating just simple user error and so uh Flipped the switch on, and sure enough, it started sending pictures, and so that one was good to go. Uh, went to my second camera, which was all the way in the very back, and uh, got up to it, kind of did the same thing, drove by it, didn't see it go off, went up there, opened it. It was on, so that was a little more concerning, and uh, checked the batteries. They were good, uh, but I just so happened to notice when I turned it back on to kind of test it that uh, the card where it you know, tells you how many pictures are on it, there were more pictures on it than what the camera said it could hold. And so I thought I had cleared the SD card, but apparently I didn't. And so I went ahead and just threw a new SD card in there, turned it on, works perfectly. And so I've since I've left, I've gotten pictures from each camera. Um, so far, I've just gotten like does and raccoons. No bucks yet, still waiting on that first buck picture of the year. Um, but at least it's running now, and uh, I have been getting reports from my other ca- my uh, uh, cuttyback, uh, which is on the other property. And so I currently have three cell cameras running. I also uh, I was in Academy the other day, and I noticed they had I've never used them before, but they had the Cell Link Cell Link by SpyPoint. And uh, I've never used these things, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. And they were on sale for like thirty bucks. And so I went ahead and picked up two of them. And uh, for those of you who don't know, what these do is uh, you plug them into your regular trail camera and it turns them into a cell camera. And so it's like a separate unit that sends the pictures. And so, like I said, I've heard good things about them. The thing that really attracted me to these is that you get 100 free pictures per month. Uh, Like you don't even have to pay for a data plan. And so, you know, I plan to put these on a camera that's just like over a trail, maybe over a scrape, like, a, you know, you don't want to put this on a feeder. You're going to use that hundred pictures up in, you know, a few days. 
Um, and you can pay for a cell plan. I should throw that out there. You can pay for a cell plan and get more photos. Um, but I like the fact that you can get a hundred free pictures. And so, um, you know, there's one camera I kind of have in my mind where, uh, every year I'll get a couple, uh, shooters on this camera, but they're not, it's kind of like, it's always during a rut time, you know, they're kind of traveling back and forth. And so, you know, I could put this on that, not have to pay for a cell plan, and I know when those bucks are in that area. So that's kind of what I have in mind for these things. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to love them. Maybe I'll end up paying for a cell plan and, and using them more often on a feeder or something. But uh, that's kind of the great thing. You, know? I can kind of do whatever I need them to do. And so picked up two of those. I was hoping to get those out this weekend, but I didn't get around to it. All the other stuff took up too much time. And so uh, I think I'll be out there this coming weekend, and hopefully I'll get those up and running. And so I guess that's it. I got all, all the cameras running, or I say all the cameras, three cameras running. Um, you know, probably sometime fairly soon, I'll start getting some more cameras out. You know, it's, man, guys, like, it's coming. It's getting closer and closer. We're, you know, what's today? Uh, somewhere mid-July, I can't get my phone to come on, early-ish to mid-July, and so we're just like two and a half months out, and so I hope you guys are getting ready, hope you guys are planning out what you're going to be doing this fall, and that is going to lead us into today's podcast, uh, something I want to kind of get out there now so you guys can be planning for it, again, trying to be ahead of the ball. Today, we're going to talk about filming your hunt. It's something that I kind of have a love-hate relationship with, I'll be honest, um, I, I have done it. I've done it quite a bit. I've done a lot of research on it in the past. I have a ton of equipment to do it. And so I want to walk you guys just kind of through the whole process, like what you need to be considered. And if you're thinking about it, equipment you need, equipment you don't need. We're going to talk about a couple different kinds of cameras, all that good stuff. Um, and you know, if you guys are interested in this, um, it's, it's fun. It really is fun. It can also be helpful, you know, uh, it can tell you, you know, where you hit that deer that, you know, sometimes your eyes play tricks on you in the moment and, uh, with everything going on. And so, you know, I, I've know of people who film just so they can use it to find the animal. Uh, obviously there's tons of people out there, you know, trying to put it on YouTube or start their own show, their own channel, whatever that might be. I will say I do plan on doing more filming this year than I have the last year or two uh, because of this podcast. Like, you know, I keep saying I want to bring you guys along with me, and I really mean that. And so I plan to, you know, get the dust off all this stuff and get it back out there and do a little bit more filming so that you guys can follow along with me. And, uh, yeah, so we can just share the adventures together. And so that's kind of what gave me this idea because I've kind of been going through all my filming stuff and, and pulling it all out out and trying to figure out if I need anything or if I have everything. Like I said, I have a lot of junk, um, but that's good for you guys because I'm going to be able to, to talk to you guys about it and give you a lot of tips. And so I hope you guys are ready for this one. Like I said, we're going to be talking about filming your hunt and we're going to jump into it right now. So before we get started here, I want to give you guys a quick little rundown of my experience with filming my hunts. I bought my first camera in 2015, I believe, uh, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, I bought a tree arm. I was ready to go. I was, you know, I thought I was going to become the next big thing. I was going to be on TV and all that good stuff. And, uh, but as I kind of got into it, I realized like, man, it is a lot of work. And so 2015, 2016, 2017, I would sometimes bring the camera with me. I sometimes wouldn't. 
and um, man, it's just a lot of work, you know, setting it up every time you go, taking it down every time you leave, and so I just wasn't super dedicated, and of course it would always work out to where the time I didn't have the camera with me, that's when I would end up killing. So I wanted to start out with this story because like, I just want you guys to know, if you're really thinking about doing this, it is a lot of work. It doesn't seem like it at the time, but you know, if you hunt a decent amount, you got to set that camera up every single time you go, and then you got to take it down every time when you leave. It's more stuff to carry. It's more stuff to worry about. Uh, you got to make sure all your batteries are charged. And so I just wanted, want you guys to know going into this that it can be a lot of work. And so, like I said, that was up through 2017. So in 2018, I was like, all right, I'm buckling down. I'm not hunting unless I have my camera with me because, you know, I'd been trying, kind of dabbling in it for like two years. I'd spent all this money, and I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I just made up my mind. And in 2018, I did not go on a single hunt without taking my camera with me. And it finally panned out. Um, gosh, I don't know how many hunts I was in that year, but November 28th, nice rut day. I checked the camera. Mature buck had been coming through this spot like three days in a row. Got in there nice and early, set up my camera. I think it was a morning hunt, actually. And uh, it all worked out just like you hope it would. The buck came in. I kind of saw him from a distance so I could get everything up and going. Uh, he, I had him in frame, and then I was just about to try and stop him. He actually stopped on his own took a few steps in the other direction to where he wasn't center frame, but I was still going to shoot. Right when I was about to shoot, he turned and walked back the other direction, and then I stopped him, and it just so happened to work out. I mean, he was like perfectly center frame and just, you know, the most beautiful shot ever, and it was awesome, and I was so excited. Like, you know, after years of trying, I finally got this shot on film with my bow, self-filmed, and so I was all excited about it. You know, turned the camera to me after the shot, and filled my excitement and all that stuff and so after i calmed down and everything i i tore all my stuff down you know i was giving the deer some time and uh i think i went to the house even and kind of you know changed and got some water and stuff went out to track the buck and uh again i'm just by myself so i'm holding my camera and i'm kind of holding it out in front of me as i'm you know on the blood trail looking and stuff and uh track the deer buck down find it uh oh that's what I, I went i went to the house and got my tripod that's right so found the buck set the camera up on the tripod do my whole you know post hunt interview do some you know some take pictures and all that stuff all excited about it i get back to the house i you know, put the card in the computer and i'm watching the shot it's awesome my interview awesome well then i get to the last part and you can't hear anything it's like a screeching noise and i can't figure out what's going on and uh, I finally figured out that while I was uh, blood trailing, a limb caught the plug for my microphone and like unplugged it halfway. And so it was no longer recording through my microphone or through the, the built-in microphone on the camera because it was kind of in that in-between stage. And so after all that work, after all that time, the footage was, I mean, kind of worthless as far as like a production is concerned. Because the audio was cr like you couldn't hear anything I was saying the whole like interview, so that's why I'm saying like I have kind of a love hate relationship with filming because it's fun it's it's almost like a whole separate deal it's almost like hunting is one part of the experience and filming is the other part 
And uh, so the next year, I didn't film hardly at all because I was so like angry at what had happened. And then this past season, I don't, I probably carried my camera with me like twenty five percent of the time. I basically did like if I was going to be in a blind, like sitting, you know, not up in a tree and stuff, I'd carry it with me. But uh, like I said, this year I do want to kind of get back into it. Um, I have all the equipment. I have all the gear. It's more just the mindset of actually doing it. And uh, this year, because of my job change and everything, like I'm not going to be as rushed when I hunt. Like, you know, before I'd have to, you know, I'd hunt for a little while and then have to go feed the cows or do something else. Then, you know, rush back to the stand in the afternoon, something like that. And this year, like when I go hunting for a weekend, like that's all I'm going to be doing. So I'm going to have some more time. I'm going to be able to take my time, and so I do plan to do some more filming, but again, before I really get into the process of filming, I wanted to kind of throw that stuff out there, like I said before, because again, like this is a huge undertaking, like if you're really serious about it, I mean, if you're planning to be the next YouTube star, or, you know, end up on TV one day, like these are the things you have to consider, because it is a lot of work, and so again, just wanted to throw that out there, um, Throw out, you know, let you guys know that I do have some experience with this, and I'm not just, you know, flapping in the wind. So, so with all that done said, let's get into how to do this, and I want to break it basically into two parts. There's really two things you need to consider. There's cameras, and then there's mounting systems, or you know, what you're going to set that camera on, be it a tripod, a tree arm, bow mounted, gun mounted all that good stuff. And so I want to start with cameras, kind of break down the different kinds, what should we be looking for, and all that good stuff. So we're going to start with cameras. Now within cameras, you kind of have two subcategories in that. You got your action cameras, which would be like your GoPros, your tactic cams, kind of the one button, you know, comes on, records. And then you got your slightly fancier cameras, you know, your handheld camcorders, video cameras, your DSLRs, and kind of your more expensive, more manipulative, you know, it's got buttons, you can adjust stuff, that type of thing. So, and it kind of depends on what you want to do with it. I feel like I say that a lot, but it, it really does. You know, if your goal was to just kind of relive the moment, you know, show your buddies, um, that type of thing, you know, kind of just have something to look back on. I would highly recommend an action camera. Uh, within that, you know, there's bow mounted, or you can have another mount, like a tree mount, or something like that. Um, my only hesitation against weapon mounted cameras is a lot of times you don't have a good view of the shot itself. You know, if you're filming to try to see, like, where you hit that animal to, you know, help you with your, the recovery or how long you should wait, you know, if you think about it, whether you have it mounted on a bow or a gun, when you pull the trigger or release the arrow, whatever you do, whatever weapon you're shooting, it's going to vibrate. And so a lot of times, kind of like right as you're about to see what you need to see uh, as far as, you know, shot placement, it's going to move. And so, you know, it may get fuzzy. It may throw it off. You may not have the animal picture at all, you know, if your gun kicks a lot. And so if you're if you're doing it to, like, figure out where you hit an animal, I would not recommend a weapon-mounted camera. Now, if you're just wanting kind of another angle, go for it. It's awesome. It's kind of, you know, like, if you're swinging through, like, you know, if the deer's walking, you're kind of following with it, you know, waiting for it to stop. Like, that's an awesome shot to have. Um, but it's just not going to be the best quality because, again, like, as soon as that weapon goes off, it's going to move and vibrate and you're going to lose it. And then also, like... As the animal's running away, it's hard to film it because a lot of times you're trying to watch the animal 
And, you know, like if it's mounted to your bow, you're trying to kind of like guess and hold your bow where you think the animal is. And so I have an action camera. Uh, I have a Tacticam and I like it. But, you know, if you're going for real quality, that's not what you want. Now, if you are going to go with the action cam route and, you know, whether you have it mounted to your stand or the tree, like that's a whole nother ball game. You know, that, that way it's, it's solid. It's still... Um, you don't have quite as much control, you know, where it's pointing, but, you know, if you're hunting a feeder or a scrape or something like that, and you have a very, you know, pretty good idea of, like, where the animal's going to be when you shoot, you know, face of that direction, and you're going to be okay. The downside here to the action camera types is most of them don't have any, if, uh, if at all, uh, you know, very little zoom. And so, like, a GoPro for filming what you're shooting I do not recommend that at all. Um, GoPros are awesome cameras. I love them for other things. But to actually film like the deer or the hog or the bear or whatever you're shooting at, I don't recommend it for that because if that animal is 20 yards away, it's going to look like it's 100 yards away on a GoPro. Like it's just GoPros are kind of made for more up close stuff. And so I don't recommend a GoPro for that. Uh, Tacticam's new camera, the 5.0, I believe it has built-in zoom. I think it has like eight times zoom. And so that would be a better option if you're, you know, to film what you're actually shooting at. The Tacticam would probably be the better way to go. If you're using these action cameras as like a secondary camera to, you know, like look, uh, you know, face yourself to get your reaction. Maybe you put it behind you kind of showing like you and then the critter you're going after. Something like that. GoPros are great for that because they're simple, uh, super high quality, very clear. They have all kinds of attachments. You know, you can get all kinds of clips and straps and everything. So you can put them on limbs or, you know, clip them on a window in your blinds, whatever you need to do. So if you're going to use an action camera to like film yourself, I would highly recommend the GoPro. If you're going to go like use it to try to film a critter, I would probably go with like the Tacticam or, you know, there's several other, uh, cameras on the market but just you want something that has some zoom that's basically what it comes down to probably the biggest advantage with the action cameras over the others is just the price too um you know you can get a pretty darn good gopro now for like 300 bucks uh, i think the new tacticam is also 300 dollars and so you're at a much lower price point. And they're also very sturdy. You know, you don't have to worry about them as much. They're fully enclosed. Most of them are waterproof now. And so it's something you can just kind of throw in your bag and not have to worry about it too much, not have to baby it as you do these other cameras. And that's the rabbit hole we're going to jump into now. So I don't obviously don't have time to cover like every camera out there on the market. But again, I'm going to kind of break it down into two categories. So you got your video cameras and you got your DSLRs, which most people think of as like your still frame uh, cameras. You know, something if you hired a photographer for a wedding, senior pictures, whatever, like that's what they're going to be using. And so, again, kind of depends on what you're doing, but uh, if you are new to this and you're not super technologically sound and, and you're going to be hunting by yourself a lot, I would highly recommend a normal video camera, like a handy cam type thing. Uh, what I did, and I kind of got this advice from somebody else, was, you know, again, it was just me. I don't have a bunch of money. I was young at the time, fresh out of college, and so... 
I basically bought the nicest like home video camera I could afford. You know, instead of going up to like professional grade, uh, because you know it shoots 4K. It shoots. It, you know, you could film a TV show on it if you wanted to. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but it's simple and it'll get the job done. Um, it has, you know, manual focus, it has, you know, it'll do all the brightness and everything itself, but you also have the option to turn that off and do it manually if you want to. Um, you know, I, I kind of taught myself how to do the, the brightness. So that way, like early in the morning, I can turn the brightness up and I can actually see out there, you know, before it would normally be light enough to see. <clears throat> and so that's a big advantage. Uh, but, but overall, the reason I went with it over like a DSLR is just because it's simpler. Um, you know, like I said, especially if you're trying to self-film and, you know, you've got enough to worry about just trying to get that critter killed and then you're trying to add filming to it. And so, like, with my Handycam, uh, it's a Sony. You know, I open the viewfinder, the camera turns on automatically, I press record, and it's ready to go. And then, you know, I can zoom if I need to or want to. A lot of times I kind of have that set where I think I'm going to need it anyway. Move it, you know, make sure the critter's in frame. And good to go. Um, you know, the advantage to the DSLR is you get a lot more variability. You know, you can change lenses. If you're rifle hunting, you put a, a lens on with more zoom. If you're bow hunting, you can do like a wide angle lens. Um, you know, and, and they're all interchangeable. So, you know, you can kind of fit it to the moment. So that's a big advantage of the DSLR. Kind of the disadvantage is what we just talked about. They're, they can be a lot more complicated, a lot less user-friendly. You have to know what you're doing a little bit more. Um, you know, they're still going to have, like, the manual focus and all that stuff to help you out. Um, but it's just kind of another step. Um, and so, you know, you have to be a little bit <coughs> – excuse me. You have to be a little bit more willing to, to work with it, to learn it. And uh, for me, it's just not quite as user-friendly. Again, especially in a self-filming situation, which, you know, me, I don't always have a cameraman with me. And so I'm trying to keep it more simple. Another advantage to the DSLR, though, is you always have a high-quality camera with you. And so, you know, when you're done filming, you've done all your interviews and everything like that, you flip the switch, and boom, you got your camera for your trophy shots. And so that's another kind of advantage. Um, you know, it's sweet to take those photos in the field also. You can flip back and forth between photo and video. And, and most handy cams or most video cameras will also take pictures, but they're not going to be the quality that a DSLR is. And so if you're looking for a one-trick pony, DSLR is going to be the way to go. But again, I just want to warn you, like it's going to be a little bit more advanced. There's going to be a little higher learning curve. And uh, for me, I know, I know I keep saying, saying it, but I just love the simplicity of just a normal video camera. You know, I, I can do anything I need to with it. Um, you know, I can, I have another camera. I can take my trophy shots. It's not like it's that big a deal. Uh, most people just take trophy shots with their phone now anyways, cause phone cameras have come so far. And so I personally don't feel like I have the need for the DSLR, but you know, if you're out there and you're thinking like, this is really something you want to do and you're dedicated to it, maybe you need to skip the video state video camera stage and go straight to the DSLR and, and take that learning curve. Um, you know, one thing that was really helpful for me was just watching YouTube videos. Um, and I mean that in two ways, like one, just watching hunting videos and kind of copying or not necessarily copying, but paying attention to how they move the camera, you know, what they're focusing on. Uh, but then also there's obviously just other videos to watch of how to use your camera. 
um, you know, explaining white balance and all that good stuff. All those buttons that a lot of people just kind of glance over and pretend they're not there. Uh, you know, it's not that complicated and there's tons of resources out there. And so, and that would definitely be a huge tip of mine before you get out there in the field, learn how to use your camera, um, before, you know, you need to use one of those buttons and you don't know exactly what you're doing. One last thing before we move away from cameras. Uh, one thing I would definitely highly recommend is an external microphone because, you know, all cameras have a built-in microphone, but they're not just... They're not going to be super high quality, and so uh, you can get all kinds of microphones. Um, you know, I did not go with the like wireless mic, like the one you wear that has a little ball on your uh, shirt or whatever. Um, you just got to have a little bit more equipment. You got to worry about batteries and stuff like that. I prefer just a shotgun mic. Uh, Rode mic is what I have. R O D E. You know, it attaches straight to your camera. You plug it into the headphone jack. And it's good to go. Um, you know, most all of them are going to come with like a little wind screen, you know, like the foam thing. And uh, I've never had a problem with like crazy high winds messing up my audio with it. Especially if you're going to be hunting in the timber a lot. You know, the trees are going to kind of break the wind down. Um, so yeah, I would highly, highly recommend a external microphone, no matter what camera you choose. So. All in all, like, camera is kind of the easy part of self-filming. Like, that's not where the complicated stuff in. The complicated stuff comes in what we're about to talk about, and that is what is going to be holding your camera while you hunt. This is the part of your setup that's going to be probably the heaviest, the bulkiest, and the most trouble to, you know, set up and take down. If you're hunting, like, out of ground blinds or box blinds, it's pretty easy get you a tripod you're pretty much good to go uh you know tripod and a fluid head uh one thing that is really nice fourth arrow makes i think it's called their rex arm and it'll go in your tripod and it's basically it's about i don't know eight to ten inches long and it holds your camera out to the side and you can kind of swing it and that's really nice for like going from wind one window to another or just kind of giving you some uh some flexibility you know if you're if you're on a tripod your camera's in one spot, and sure, you can kind of move it up and down and turn the camera left and right, but you can't actually move the physical camera. But this little arm allows you to do that, and so that's really handy. But that's pretty much all you need. You know, if you're going to be in a, an enclosed blind, get you a tripod, and you're good to go. The hard part is, you know, if you're a tree stand guy, this, this, this is when you get into uh, camera arms, and there's a jillion of them out there on the market, they're at all kinds of price points. Uh, they're at all kinds of all kinds of sizes, and some of them just offer you more mobility than others do. Um, I've seen some really lightweight ones, but they may only swivel at one point. Um, I have a couple bigger ones, and they swivel at like three points. And so that's something you're really gonna have to think about. Um, you know, how much are you gonna be able to move? How much do you need to move? If you're hunting in an area where you don't know where deer, you know, if it's a rut situation or you're just hunting like a pinch point or something like that and you never know where the deer is going to be coming from, you're going to need a little bit more movement in your camera arm. And so you may need one that pivots, you know, in more than one spot, uh, can swing, can slip around, uh, you know, like typically when I'm hunting, let's, you know, I'm sitting in my stand, I'm going to mount my camera to my right. So my, my camera arm is coming out to my right, and I do that so that way I can control it with my right hand. I can hold my bow in my left, control the camera with my right. 
the viewfinder on my camera is also on the left side of the camera so I want my camera to the right so that I can see the viewfinder and so I like to have one with a lot of movement and I've had a couple over the years uh, the first one I ever bought was a muddy and I got it was their smaller arm, but it has two sections, so it pivots in three points. It pivots at the base, it pivots between the two sections, and then my fluid head would be the third point. And so I really like that arm. Uh, I can extend it out and kind of go around my body, you know, if I need to shoot to my left. And so basically the camera would almost be straight in front of my face, pointing to my left if I need to shoot that way. You can kind of suck it in, go to the right and all around. The only downside to that camera arm was it was very bulky. Um, the way it works is you have a piece, uh, you know, your base, and you strap that base to the tree. And it has all kinds of adjustments so you can set that level. And then you put your arm in the base and then you put your camera on your fluid head on the end of the arm. And so it was really nice, but if you were moving around a lot, it's just a pain to set up and take down every time. Um, but if that's what you do anyway, you know, like if you're always moving around, you're super mobile, and you're going to have to set it, that camera up anyway, then that might not be a bad thing, you know. It, but uh, what I ran into is, you know, I had, let's say, you know, six different stands, preset stands that I was kind of bouncing in between. It's just kind of annoying having to set it up and take it down every time I moved. And so that was the downside to the muddy for me. Um, but again, if you're a mobile hunter and you're going to be moving to a different tree all the time anyway, then that's what you're going to have to do anyway. And so that could be a good setup for you. Uh, I went from the muddy to the fourth arrow. And I, the, the big draw to the fourth arrow was it comes with these brackets. So you can buy individual brackets. And you can put that on the tree and you leave it there. And so, you know, I can, like I said, I think I said it, I had six stands earlier. I could get six of those brackets. And when you hang the stand, you go ahead and put that bracket up there. And you don't have to mess with a ratchet strap when you come in. You don't have to make that noise or do anything like that. The bracket's there. And then that base, your base goes into that bracket and then your arm goes onto that base. And so that made things a little easier. Um, mostly like the ratchet strap part you know you didn't have to worry about the noise it was kind of somewhat ready to go you just kind of slide it all in and you're good to go so i liked the fourth arrow a little better uh for my pre-set pre stands uh just made things a little quicker a little quieter and uh, and then one thing that i'm looking into right now i just saw fourth arrow came out with a new arm this year i think it's called the baton and it doesn't use those brackets. It's a it's a one piece deal, um, but it's very small. It's made for you know people like us, people who are not doing this professionally, people who are trying to self film. It's very very lightweight and compact. You strap it on, and then it just has like a little button you push, and that's how you adjust your level. And so I again, I do not own that. I've just been looking at it online. I'm pretty tempted to buy one because it looks awesome, uh, but that would be something that could be easier um I, I keep talking about a fluid head um i feel like i should explain that for those of you who don't know your fluid head is like what your camera actually sets on and so it's about the size of a softball most of them and it has the arm that comes out that you hold on hold on to and you know control your camera and basically that no matter what arm you buy you're probably going to have to buy a fluid head 
the to attach to it. And this is something that you don't want to skimp on. You know, you can buy these things for twenty bucks, or you can buy these things for five hundred dollars. And I'm not saying you need to spend hundreds of dollars on this, uh, but I think I paid like a hundred twenty bucks for mine. And it's worth it because, like, especially if you're trying to make, like, good quality videos, you want that nice, smooth transition, that nice, smooth turn. You don't want the camera, like, you know, bouncing and catching and stuff as you're trying to swing left or right. You want that nice, smooth motion. And that's what your fluid head does. And usually most of them have an adjustment to where you can kind of loosen them or tighten them. And, you know, the looser it is, the easier it'll move. But then you can kind of tighten it down and it'll hold your camera in place. And so finding that sweet spot uh, to where you can have a little bit of movement, but it'll hold it when you let go. That's very key. But anyway, so so you got your camera. Your camera attaches to your fluid head. Your fluid head attaches to your arm, and then most of the time your arm is going to attach to some kind of base. So now that I've covered basically all the parts and kind of equipment, I want to just basically walk you through how a hunt would go with your camera and setting it all up and everything. So if um, if I'm filming, I'm always going to get to my tree probably 10 minutes earlier than I normally would, uh, just to give me time to set up. And so... Uh, I bought like a big backpack that had a bunch of pockets that I can, you know, hold all my camera gear in that. And that made things a lot easier, just trying to get everything to the tree. And so I climb into my stand with that. The first thing you get out is your base. And so you pull that out, set it up, and you make sure that you get that base very level. Like I said, all basically all bases are going to have adjustments, you know, left to right, tilt, all that good stuff. And you want to make sure you get that very level. A lot of times, and you know, most of them have like a bubble or you know some way to let you know that it's level. Uh, I'm going to tilt it back towards the tree just a little bit because a lot of times when you put your arm and the camera and everything, it's going to suck it down a little bit. And so I kind of purposely have it angled up uh, so that way when I put the arm, it pulls it flat. So I set my base. You then get your arm, you get your arm, slide it into the slot or attach it however it attaches. Then you pull out your fluid head, you screw your fluid head onto your arm, and then my fluid head has like a clip. And so I screw this thing into my camera, this bracket, and then that bracket clips onto my fluid head and you're good to go. Um, I set it up, like I mentioned earlier, I set it up on my right side. And then depending on, you know, how big your arm is, like my muddy, the arm on the muddy is a whole lot bigger and taller than it was on my fourth arrow. And so I would have to set that up a little lower because the arm is going to raise it up higher, if that makes sense. And, uh, but wherever you need to set that base, I like to have my camera basically about belly height, like between your belly button and your chest. That's where I like to have mine. And so that way it's kind of, it's a comfortable height for your arm you know to reach over there and work it um you're not going to hit your leg if you try to swing it over yourself and it also it's low enough to where you're not going to hit the arm when you draw you know that's one thing you got to be careful of putting the arm on your right side you know if you're right-handed you're going to be holding your bow on your left and drawing back with your right arm and you want to make sure you're not going to hit that camera arm with your right arm as you draw. And so knowing what height you needed at is a big thing. And sometimes that can be tricky. You know, that was one thing about like having your bases and everything. Cause a lot of times that base is going to be sitting, 
you know, somewhere around your seat height. And so that's another thing you have to watch out for. And so, you know, that base might be right next to my right hip. Um, and so you got to make sure that it's not going to get in the way of your seat or your, it's not going to hit your seat or anything like that. But so I like to have my camera, like I said, just below chest height. And then you're good to go. Your hunt goes, you know, goes by. Hopefully you kill something. You know, that'd be nice. Uh, but then when you're ready to leave, you know, I always take the camera off first and I always put the, I always travel with my camera in a case. I bought like a little, a smaller soft case that fits in the bag. So that way you don't have your camera just rattling around, especially with, you know, your camera arm and all that other metal stuff. And so I bought a small soft case. So put the camera in the case and then I take down all the other parts. I put the other parts in my backpack first and then I put my camera in last kind of on the top just so it's a little bit more protected. So that's how a hunt would go. As far as actual filming stuff, uh, you know, the videography, that's another thing. Just basically pick your favorite, uh, you know, hunting show and watch it and just pay attention. You know, like if you notice, if you're watching a show, you know, like a professionally done show, like the camera just doesn't come on and all of a sudden there's a deer and then you shoot it and then it's, you know, you and the deer. Like there's so much more in between. And so, you know, most people refer to it as B-roll. That's, you know, when they show like a squirrel or a raccoon walking through the leaves or even just like the camera, you know, kind of looking at the sun through some branches and stuff like that. Like, I know it sounds weird and artsy, but like that's the stuff that makes a good video. And so as you're sitting there, you know, in your hunt, like you need to be doing that type of stuff throughout the entire hunt. You know, anything that looks interesting because it just adds to your story. And then all your interviews, like you want to make sure you, you talk through everything that you're doing because that's how you're going to get the person watching it engaged. You know, like that's kind of, you know, if you notice a lot of hunting shows now, they've kind of gone away from just that, you know, you'd buy a, an old DVD and there'd be like 30 hunts on there and like the camera would come on. You see the guy sitting in the tree, the deer would come out, they'd shoot it. And then I could be sitting there behind it. If you notice as of late, like you don't see that stuff much more, like you know, you may see a 30-minute show all about one deer because people now, and I mean, like, I'm this way, like, I think most people are, like, they want to see the story behind that hunt. They don't just want to see that shot. They want to see the process. They want to see you walking in. They want to see why you're there. And so filming your hunts is not just about getting a kill on video. It's the story, and, and it's up to you to make that story with what you film. And so slowing down to take the time to do that stuff, you know, like in, especially in the afternoons, you know, getting out there early to film yourself, you know, get, getting out of the truck or putting your gear on, walking past the camera on the way to your stand, like all that stuff. And that's that's why I say that, you know, filming is work because it's not just the hauling the camera in and taking it down and all that stuff, but it's slowing down to really bring others along on your hunt because that's the whole goal like if you're trying to make a youtube video or get on tv or whatever you know just filming a deer kill is not going to be enough what sets people apart you know like the hunting public or all these other shows is they bring you along for the adventure and i think that's what everybody's goal is when they are trying to get into filming because like you want to show off what you're doing you want to show off that hunt and so all that extra stuff is what's really going to make the story. You know, if you show the deer 
and then your interview, you're talking about like, what, three minutes, you know? But the way you make a 30-minute video out of that and keep people's attention is all that bonus stuff, all that extra, all those extra shots. And so every time, you know, like I said, if you're really going to be dedicated to this filming stuff, you have to dedicate the time because you have to be able to slow down and show all that. The last thing I want to talk about before I shut this down, I feel like I've almost glazed over it, made this just seem like, all work is uh it is fun like uh you know i've i've done it i've done it successfully or mostly successfully like i said i talked about my audio screw up already but uh but it this is really fun and uh, it just it brings your hunting to a whole new level uh for me it was almost just adding another challenge to it like that's kind of what got me into it you know i'd i'd started killing deer started killing deer with my bow started killing mature bucks so I was kind of looking for that next thing, and filming did that for me. Like, it just kind of added another challenge. It gave me another reason to get out in the woods, you know, filming that B-roll or, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to do it and creating that story. And so I did want to throw out there that, like, filming is fun. Uh, it's just a lot of work. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a fun type of work. And as long as you don't take it too crazy serious – it can be a lot of fun, and that's one other thing I would like to throw out there before I close this down is unless you are getting paid for the videos you're making, do not pass up a shot because you can't get it on film. You know, like if, if that's your living or, or, you know, if that's your goal, if you're trying to, you know, quit your job and become a YouTube star or whatever, or get your own show, then yes, like you can't afford to kill a deer that's not on film. But if you're just doing this as a hobby, man, the kill comes first. That's a that's a lesson I had to learn when I was going through this journey myself of, uh, you know, there was one instance that I ended up killing the buck later, but I had a, a chance to kill this buck on film, and he was walking pretty quickly, and I was trying to get the camera on him, and I was trying to get my bow, and... And he just basically walked right out of my life. And that was, I had known about that deer for several years. And this was the first time I'd ever seen him on the hoof. And it was almost like I got caught up in the film. You know, I was filming him too long and I wasn't getting my bow ready. But, um, you know, that camera kind of cost me that deer. And, and again, like I was just doing it for fun, you know. And so that's something you're going to have to weigh out with yourself of whether you're willing to pass up that shot because the camera's not working out. Um, but my advice to, you know, 90% of you out there who are just doing this for fun, man, shoot the deer <laughs> and do that first and film second. So that's my, uh, that's my hot take on that. And I hope you guys, I hope that this was helpful and that it encourages you to get out there and try this. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I actually had more fun than I thought talking about this. And uh, honestly, it's kind of little fire under me. I'm like, I'm ready to go. It's, uh, I've been thinking about, you know, doing some more filming this year and kind of talking through this and reliving all those memories. It's, it's got me pretty jacked up. And so I can't say I'm going to take my camera every hunt this year. Um, you know, it's something I enjoy, but it's also not something I'm just, like I said, like I'm, I'm still wanting to kill some deer and not necessarily worry about the camera all the time, but, but I do plan on taking my camera with me more this year to bring you guys along. And so I hope you guys are ready for that. I hope this encouraged some of you and, and was educational for others. And so that's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys had a great one. Meet me right back here next week for another edition of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. <laughs>